welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. My name is Ted Cluck, and uh, I'm joined here in studio by uh, my good friends Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And gentlemen, we just uh, wrapped up the Easter holiday, uh, which was strange in that well, it's always kind of strange to see the way that this holiday is marketed. But um, one, one of my enduring memories of it was uh, I'm standing in a Walgreens the night before Easter um, with some family members, and we're just kind of tossing collections of like pastel crap into um <laughs> into our baskets because there's there's the expectation that you uh that you give your kids some stuff on Easter which is uh dude it's just strange it's like um you know nothing honors the the risen Christ more than like a a, a gigantic chocolate you know Star Wars guy or whatever um yeah, the, the the whole thing is just a little bit crazy, but uh, I'm going to dive right into our first topic here. And Big R, this is one that uh, that you had suggested, and apparently uh, there are churches that are now so big and and the money is uh, is is raining so heavily that they can afford to hire uh, helicopters uh, to fly over their gigantic compound and drop Easter eggs. Uh, so that the kids from these particular churches will be able to toddle around and collect plastic eggs that have dropped out of a helicopter. And this is supposed to be the thing that will ignite uh, the hearts of people uh, and draw them to the church. Uh, so, guys, Barnabas, you're the, the son of a pastor. Big R, you are a pastor. I am just a, a cynical guy. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys speak into this one, and then I'll tell you a little story about uh, about church on Easter Sunday. But Big R, what do you think of this whole phenom? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of come up the last few years because I, I don't know how, but every time during my, uh, you know, my Easter sermon, I somehow, you know, I somehow – am able to drop a bunch of Easter egg hunt and helicopter drop jokes into my sermon because we don't do that at my church. Right. And I, so I end you, up sounding, so you feel superior. I feel yeah, a little superior absolutely. and I come off a little snarky and sarcastic about it. But you know, what kind of brought it up was I had a friend a few years ago that was planting a new church. He was getting ready to launch the church and he did this massive like helicopter drop right before they launched on Easter Sunday. <laughs> and so what they did is they met in sort of like the local high school football stadium. They had this helicopter come over. They had all these people gathered. And I think it was something like 3,000 people. It was like over the top crazy amount of people that came out to this thing. Mm-hmm. And so the helicopter drops like, I mean, they're dropping eggs. They're dropping like Xboxes. They're dropping <laughs> like can't money. can't for the Xbox. Yeah, you would think yeah. it would. Yeah, you would think that there'd be a little damage control that needs to be done with that. So he, so all this stuff gets dropped. There's like police cars there. There's all these people in the bleachers of the stadium. So it drops. Everybody rushes to the floor of the stadium. You know, it's just mayhem. The kids are grabbing stuff. It's greed. It's avarice. It's everything you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, parents in on all the goods and everything. And the whole place, he said, cleared out in about five minutes. And before, I mean, before he had time to think. So it was a super meaningful experience. Super meaningful experience. Like nothing's planned, right? Homeboy like goes to one of the cop cars, grabs like the, grabs one of the, uh, you know, the, uh, like, like the CB radios and says, and by the way, you know, if you just look right there, you know, we're having church there tomorrow at like 10 a.m., you know, at our building in the high school. He said literally the next day, like they had not one extra person. Wow. For Easter service 
you know, than they normally had as part of their, their, their regular, you know, core team that was going to be meeting on that first Sunday. Maybe not even, a, not even the helicopter pilot. Not even the helicopter pilot. You know, he I mean, everybody just, on, every, they had their own stuff going on. So everybody just sort of grabbed all the loot and they 86 it out of there. I and, love uh, it. and that was it. And so, and so what was funny is that after that, I was like, why would anybody do that? But then I started driving around and seeing signs, you know, out here in the Midwest, people still have church signs. And it was all of this like Easter egg drop, you know, helicopter drop, you know, Saturday night before Easter, you know. And so it's kind of become this thing that I think people are engaging in, in, in as far as like it being a marketing tool. And I just think it's so – it's just baffling to me. It's just the weirdest thing. Now, Barnabas, has John Piper ever done a helicopter drop? Uh, he's he has parachuted out of a helicopter to advertise uh, to advertise Easter because uh, nothing says it. nothing says he has risen indeed like a middle aged man flying out of like a helicopter. an old man flying out of a helicopter. That's right, uh, that's true. He's not middle aged anymore. He's elderly. Um, yeah. No, we didn't do that. Uh, I nobody's ever accused churches of being good at marketing, so I'm not surprised that. Uh, that while there is absolutely no evidence that this does anything to increase attendance, that churches still try it because that's just how churches are. I I do think it's really interesting though that if how many of these churches have a have like a come visit Santa Claus before Christmas because isn't that right. basically the same thing? It's basically just a kind of a, a cutesy tradition to get people in the door, except that we think of Santa Claus as like anti-Christian Christmas, but apparently things involving uh, greed and having some tangential relationship to the Easter bunny are, uh, they're perfectly cool for Easter. And that, that doesn't make a whole heap of sense to me. Yeah, I, I know. It's, and I think we talked about this around Christmas time. It's like no, <laughs> everybody's always so concerned about taking the Christ out of Christmas, but nobody's concerned about like you know keeping the East in Easter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Nope, we just keep the bunnies in Easter and the chocolate and the pastels and like it's, yeah. It, it I don't I don't understand it. I mean, it, and the thing is, I I see a lot of churches that I actually. I mean, so I don't, I don't know of any churches that do the helicopter drop. This was news to me when you described this. Maybe it's a distinctly Midwestern thing it that, might be. that I have just might missed. Um, but the we East- love our helicopters in the Midwest. But but <laughs> the Easter egg hunt is ubiquitous, and churches, a ton of churches with people who you know, church leaders who I really respect, do those. And I, for the life of me, can't figure out why, unless they just they're just saying it's a fun thing for the kids. You know, I think that's what they're saying. I mean, I, it's like we don't want to overplay these things, yeah. right? Like, what's like, what's the big deal if you have like Easter egg hunts after Easter service? Kids get to go around and get candy. Well, I mean, it's pretty it like the, a lot of it do it like the Saturday before Easter, so it's like a Saturday yeah. morning thing, and it's almost like an Easter festival kind of thing. And I think that's great. Like, that's just a ton of fun. My kids love it. Who, what kid? Do, you know, what parent doesn't yeah. want to sugar their kids up the day before, uh, trying to get them to the you know the holiest Sunday of the year or something like that? Dude, so. No. How do you how do you handle the Easter egg hunt at like the hipster church plant? I mean, do you hide little like quinoa salads and, and micro brews and <laughs> no? It's it's the tiny uh, flannel shirts. There there is there is know? such a thing as craft chocolate, and it's yes. like fourteen. It's like fourteen dollars a bar. Fourteen dollars uh, for a bar upscale chocolate, absolutely. And it yeah. it tastes like like wet soot. It's disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. That's but, what we provided all the kids this you. year. We gave beard oil to the men, and we gave uh, anthropology gift certificates to all the women. I mean, that's how we rolled at Substance this year, obviously. 
you know. Baby, I love it, man. I love it. The, um, and that's how you should roll. Speaking ministry. Of, right. It did. And it cost us, I think, uh, $12,913. I mean, it was worth every dime. And, every and your penny, church has, yeah. what, like 120, 200 people? I mean, it's uh, – Right. You, you, imagine a large church doing that. You'd be talking about, uh, you know – you're talking national debt levels of, of money to do that. Yeah, we'd be talking like a quarter of their annual budget, exactly. So, well, speaking of uh, speaking of Easter service, uh, I know I texted you this, but I I actually went to uh, a Brentwood, Tennessee area mega church uh, for Easter service. We were visiting some family uh, in the area, and if you don't know Brentwood, Brentwood is sort of the the, the highest of the high end suburbs in the in the Nashville area. And I have to tell you guys, it, it had been a long time, having grown up in the Midwest, having lived in Michigan. Now, you know, we're here in Jackson, which is kind of, you know, the, the humbler part of Tennessee, I guess, uh, West Tennessee. I, it had been a long time since I'd been in that setting. And I have to tell you. And by that never, setting, you mean really affluent megachurch. Really, really affluent megachurch. So it had, been, it had been forever since I'd been in a place like that. But I, I have to say, like, I've never in one place seen more kind of well-preserved people over 30. You know what I mean? They, they just had that <laughs> gleaming, radiant, you know, like like JCPenney's catalog handsomeness to them. Life is beautiful in Brentwood. Oh, they are living glamour Maybe life would be sunny with plenty of money and you. And you. No, I mean, but, that, but you're talking about Brentwood. I mean, how, like seriously, like I've spent a lot of time in Brentwood over the years. And yeah. like what else could you expect? So the, the pastor goes... Um, he, he said something like, you know, you're all beautiful people in God's eyes. And I'm like, God's eyes, they're beautiful people in anybody's eyes. <laughs> That's right. God's not very discerning room. Judas, you know, <laughs> uh, it was great though, man. I mean, how much, I mean, I'm just curious. So you're talking about like, you're talking about a lot of dudes wearing like a lot of pastel green, orange, and like red pants with like their, their sort of their slim fit shirts all tucked in with their Dude, win- Yeah, it was, it was some of that big R, but then it was, you know, kind of your classic Southern affluent dude who still rocks like the, the super high end, like chinos, the blue blazer with the pastel shirt under it. And like um, a bow tie and like an Al yeah. Mohler bow tie to go Dude, with the bow tie, it. kind of the, the chinless affluence, you know, the comb over, you know, sort of swoopy hairdo, the, the, they, the sort of like. It basically looks like a, uh, a southern version of Ken from Ken and Barbie. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, exactly. They, they are a bunch of Ken dolls. It is, it's true. And yeah, the, so, the blazers, so the, the crease chinos. And, yep. Yeah, exactly. And some of the, some of the big are the slim fit like pastel pants too. We, we did see some of that. Yeah, that was that. Those were the people that would have been at their hipster churches, but they were there with their like in laws. They had to exactly, be. Yeah, they had to be rolling, at the Brentwood Mega Church. That, that they were Sunday. rolling their eyes and going, "Where are all the beards?" You know, exactly. They're saying if we could just get up to Ohio, we could get free beard oil and anthro gift certificates right now. Exactly. Yeah, I could win a pair of Red Wing boots at Big RV. <laughs> exactly. They, they yeah, missed we, the helicopter. Well, that's what we dropped from our helicopter drop was Red Wings. <laughs> Red Wings had a couple of concussions, but had a couple of concussions, and we're, we don't have any money left in our budget now. But Ooh. like, I, I think it was worth it. I so. didn't mention this after our Red Wing boots conversation a few weeks ago. We had a listener hit us up on Twitter who said uh, he, you know, he he's a constru- he's not a hipster, does wear construction boots because he actually works in construction. So good to know we have some some real blue blooded Americans who listen to this thing. He said Red Wings are not, in fact, the best construction boots out there, and I was I was misguided. Really? So, I, what did he um, say, man? What are, I, what are the best? Ones? 
you know, I didn't ask. I mainly just uh, I felt I felt so thoroughly chastised. I I didn't want to I didn't want to ask. Viper, it's okay. How could you know? How could you possibly I, know that? Yeah, I, I talk on a microphone for free, so uh, I yeah. I leave the the boot expertise to the people who wear boots for a living. I mean, did he want us to go on Wikipedia and sort of do some research on that <laughs> was, before we? He was very nice about it. He was not snarky. He was just saying he prefers other boots, and uh, and Red Wings were not, in fact, the best. So. I respect that. Yes, mea culpa. Well, boys, we are going to transition out of this Easter topic and into um, something that we haven't done here on the program for a while. Uh, And that is a little segment that I like to call Drisky Business. Uh, Our boy Drisky is in the news again because uh, at one of his conferences, uh, John MacArthur uh, intimated in a uh, in a in a a videotaped interview with Al Mohler in which Mohler was looking every bit the part of the Southern gentleman, as, as he always does. Um, but he basically said to Mueller, Mueller had asked him about politics, and uh, MacArthur said that uh, Drisky, with all his kind of loud brashness and vulgarity, uh, has really paved the way for Donald Trump. So uh, all the Trump-related madness that's happening in this country now, we can pretty much blame it on Drisky, um, as said John MacArthur. So uh, what do you boys make of this? <laughs> I think we should just let those comments sit for a second because they're so priceless. They really are. John man. MacArthur yeah. will not let this go. He will Dude, not yeah, let it go. Talk about I, kicking you, a guy when he's down. You know, can you for a minute just recap uh, MacArthur's beef with Drisk? I, I know that those guys go way back in their in their dislike for one another. Can you uh, can you tell us what that's all about? Uh, well. As far as I can tell, John MacArthur has a dislike for he's he is predisposed to dislike a lot of yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, but he he really, really has taken exception over the years to Driscoll and then Driscoll's followers for um profanity or vulgarity kind of you know the way that he's talked about sex the language that he's used the the way that he is incur- a lot of it was in his encouragement of people and how they engaged culture you know Driscoll would talk about MMA and ultimate fighting and and uh and then alcohol use and so like anything that could rub a fundamentalist the wrong direction like or a legalist I should say the wrong direction uh became a sticking point and it became just this thing where like even though they they functionally agreed on the the essentials, the, everything else was so contentious. They were just at each other's throats, and then it became a shtick thing. You know, when Driscoll started showing up and selling his books at John MacArthur's conferences, like out of his trunk, like bootlegging, Dude, yeah, like in the bootlegging books, <laughs> yeah, out of like an In and Out Burger across the street or a Delta. That was kind of the tipping point in that whole gig, right there. Well, that yeah. was like, yeah, that well, that was the nail in the coffin because prior to that, yeah. they had actually tried to sort of make up at one point, but that never stuck. What I find really amusing about this, or maybe maybe amusing is not the right word, <clears throat> maybe ironic, is that MacArthur and all of his sort of in your face. Uh, hard line, this is the way to live the Christian life, paved the way for Driscoll in a lot of ways. So if Driscoll paved the way for Trump, which I don't think he did, but if Driscoll paved the way for Trump and MacArthur paved the way for Driscoll, didn't MacArthur pave the way for Trump? <laughs> oh, there it is. Boom. Boys, I just want to know how long is it going to be until we show up uh, in kind of a similar punk rock fashion and broadcast 
from the parking lot of one of these MacArthur confs, man. At the Shepherds That's- Conference? We missed our opportunity because it happened last I think last month or this Baby, month. Maybe he probably has another con for two along the along the way, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he does two conferences a week. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. The, the so only, let's just hit the next one. The only downside is how far away it is. They're always in yeah. Southern California, which is – That's true. We need somebody to underwrite that, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a long drive. I wonder if we get like Southwest Airlines as a sponsor or something. Oh, absolutely. LAX and then straight up to Santa Clarita, boys. It's not an issue. Not was any further uh, traction on our, our little happy rant confab idea, man? The, we have gathered. We, we heard from probably, you know, when, when we put it out there, whatever it was, two, three weeks ago, we had we had several people who responded positively and said they'd like to come. And we've had at least that many or more come back and say they, they would as well. We've gotten votes for Cincinnati, Nashville, Atlanta, and uh, – and Louisville, those are the places that, that people have put forward and said you should come and do it here. Um, so all of which are, are actually pretty manageable distances from us um, mm. for the most part. So uh, there's, there's, there's the potential there. And then we've had a couple of people say, why don't you do it while you're at a conference? And, uh, and that way they can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I'll tell you what, let me, let me put this out here. If we do it in Louisville – I will dress like Al Mohler for the duration of the of the event. Bow tie, blue blazer, lapel pin, um, slacks, and uh, and I and I I probably won't dress like Al Mohler for the duration. <laughs> Just, Dude, I, I would be so excited to be there. Okay, uh, this is what I'm going to throw out there because yeah. we have a little we have a sojourn conference in Louisville in November, so maybe we need to start putting it out there to our listeners. That maybe there'll be the possibility of us putting together something around that time in conjunction with the Sojourn Conference, which would maybe kill you know numerous birds with one stone. And maybe that's maybe that gives us enough time to plan for it and sort of get some people involved in it that could help. Maybe know, we could pull it. you away from your quinoa and bourbon tasting for a couple hours. And uh, I'm sure I could figure that out. If somebody out. if somebody will promise to give me a pair of Red Wing boots, I will. Uh, I'll make it up to Louisville in November. Dude, we got to get Red Wing seriously to just underwrite this thing. Man. So, what, and what what Barnabas means by that, guys, is that we each need three hundred and fifty dollars each to be able to put this together and and actually do the work of the baby. I'm not going to rest until I'm in Louisville wearing a bow tie, wearing my Red Wings that have come courtesy of the Red Wing boot company. I'm pretty sure Al Mohler's a penny loafer guy. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and and I. And guys, I, I mean, can we just cap the, the the Drisky thing really quick? Sure. By by saying that to say that Drisky is responsible for <laughs> uh, you know evangelicals voting for Trump is giving him far too much influence. Do we both? Do we all agree on that? I mean, this I is agree. a guy that had a pretty wide range <clears throat> of influence, but brother, he didn't have that kind of. I would, I would venture yeah. to guess that uh, 99% of the people who are supporting Donald Trump have never heard of Mark Driscoll. And I would venture to say that – I would say that 99% of Driscoll's previous fan base would not be people supporting Donald Trump. I would go that far as well. I, I, yes, and I – all that to say I, I think what John MacArthur sees is two people who he views as crass loudmouths and just sort of assumes that they're cousins. Right. I mean, that's at least ideological cousins. And I, yeah, which is, which is also unfair to Driscoll because for all of his faults, like Donald Trump is a bad human being at every level. He is, he is, he is a hateful human being. Mark Driscoll 
made a lot of mistakes and you know has has done some really dumb stuff some of it can has been very hurtful he is not donald trump he is not even close to donald trump i just saw today that donald trump has proposed that uh women who get abortions should be punished that's his idea of pro life like he's just like quadrupling down on the stupid at this point. And so it's – yeah, it, it's not only giving Driscoll way too much credit for his influence. It's a pretty – it's a pretty harsh insult to somebody who is, is nowhere near the class of bad that Donald Trump is. Well, let me just ask this too because when I heard him say it, you know what it sounded to me like? It sounded really uninformed. It sounded kind of like when you're talking to like a, a grandparent about something that has just like seen like a news clip on something and then tries to like talk and talk and pontificate on it as if they've done all this research on it. That, that's how, I mean with all due respect to Johnny Mac, that's like how that sounded. It just sounded so reactionary and so grandfatherly without really any like sort of work or thought having like taken place behind it. Did it, did it sound like that to you? I think that's a pretty fair uh, – I think it's a pretty fair analysis. Yeah, it's like when a, if, if when a grandparent sees the, the 60 minute story about somebody posting on Facebook that they're out of town and then their house gets robbed and then they forever view Facebook as the site that gets people's house <laughs> robbed. That, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of what this is. <laughs> Guys, not to get too political here, but have you actually run into anybody, like any evangelicals who are actually claiming to support Trump? Uh, because I haven't. And again, West Tennessee is not, you know, this, this, this is not Manhattan. These are not sort of elite cultural circles that we're, uh, that we're running in. But, but yeah, I've, I've yet to actually run into someone who has like the courage to claim Trump publicly. Yeah, I have uh, I've ran into a few people actually. Yeah, and okay. I just and uh people that are people that are probably a little too close to me and I I got to sort of leave it at that, but you know, uh you know, of course in my position I I just So Easter you know, at really, the in-laws was a little tough, huh? It was a little tough. I mean, especially given that they're 3000 miles away. So yeah, I, I had to we we skyped that one in and that's where it all happened and so we're still still reeling from the uh, the shock of it all. Yeah. I haven't run across anybody who claims it. Now, I'm certain I've run across people who are lying about it. But uh, but yeah, nobody nobody who I've talked to about it is is saying that they will. What I have heard from a bunch of people is if it comes down to Trump versus whoever, they would pick him over the alternative. And I'm like, those are not your only options. You can – you can pick a third way here, but and you know what, and Piper, that's interesting because I think that's and again, not to get so we keep saying not to get so political. Let's just get political. Yep, we're being so political. I think um, that's the one I keep running into, which is when when people say, "No, I'm not a fan," but if it comes down to him or her, it's going to be him. That's where I still really struggle. Big T, boy. Speaking of uh, of people who are. Funny and ridiculous. Uh, let's let's move to our third topic. <laughs> we're, we're getting unpolitical real fast. We're going to get unpolitical real fast. This is a uh, this is a listener suggestion, um, and, and it's it's as follows uh, regarding Christian comedians. Their question was: uh, Can somebody actually be a Christian and and be actually funny? Can is Christian comedian like? A category that can even exist. That's actually a great question. It is a great yeah, question, and and. I tell you, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've ever seen a Christian comedian like in person. I'm not, I'm not familiar with this phenomenon. Although I will say, 
Uh, back up north, man, in the in the kind of evangelical community, we lived uh, we lived in the East Lansing area, and um, there was this comedian and Barnabas helped me out with the name. It was the guy that does the like hot pockets bit, man. Oh, Jim, Jim Gaffigan. Gaffigan. Yep. Yeah. Dude, so whenever Gaffigan would come to town, it was it was really strange because I, I don't know that he's a Christian. I don't know that he's ever like self-identified as a Christian, but he's he's, he's Catholic. Dude, yeah, he's Catholic and he's pretty he's pretty open about about uh being raised Irish Catholic and still being pretty I don't know if he's devout devout, but he's he still identifies that way. His wife is a devout Catholic and he kind of goes along with the ride. So that dude would come to town, man, and like seriously, all the evangelicals would like buy out the place. And it was like if you if you were, you know, a member of this church and you weren't going to Gaffigan, man, you were you were lonely. It was a lonely night. So I've actually uh, I've been to see Jim Gaffigan a couple of times, and it, and it's interesting that Christians claim him um, in much the same way that we tried to claim like I don't know Bob Dylan and Bono and a bunch of other people that we thought were cool <laughs> yes. along the way. Yeah, and that's because I mean, yeah, Christians have claimed two sort of general, you know. I would say, you know, mainstream general market comedians. The the first is Gaffigan. The second is a guy named Brian Regan. And Ugh. it's just simply because these guys... Oh, Regan. Have, Regan was the guy. So, man, sorry. Yeah. And so these guys have just... They've built, they've built platforms by being, um, you know, 98%, you know, clean-mouthed. Mm-hmm. And really just talking about things that really relate to... Uh, uh, you know, on a family level, they can relate to a lot of Christian yeah. families on that level. You know, Gaffigan's big thing is food. And uh, I don't really don't know what Regan's big platform is. He's just a, a, I guess, a generally funny guy. I think Gaffigan is legitimately like a really talented, funny comedian. I mean, it's a taste thing. I get it. But in terms of like pure Christian comedy, um, you know, so back in the seventies and the eighties, there was a Christian comedy troupe. I don't know if you guys even remember this, 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 this sort of this this group called Isaac Air Freight, and they were, uh, yeah, they they'd kind of done the circuit. And they they were kind of they were kind of coming out of this whole Calvary Chapel movement where you know they had a lot of these these skits and these bits that were kind of hitting off of the Rapture and the end times and they kind of made a big splash. Sounds was, like a hoot. Yeah, it was actually there, there was parts of it that were you know funny for the for the day and for the era. They were talented guys. I mean, since then, I know there's been a lot of like you know solo comedians that have kind of risen up and kind of faded into obscurity. And I think a lot of it is that. Um, you know, it just, I think the industry just lacks some legitimate talent. And I think, again, when, when there's a party that has to, has to just really trade out some of the edginess, which is what makes, you know, comedy funny in some ways, I think it makes it really hard. I mean, I always, I always compare it with Christian hip hop. You know, it, at some point, I mean, you know, we, we, we can say a lot of great things about guys like Lecrae and stuff, but I think in terms of the, the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of language and the kind of, you know, the, there, the, there's the sense that rap has to be it has to be a little bit dangerous. Man. It has there's to be a little bit rap, dangerous. You know? and, and I think comedy is the same way. It's got to be a little bit well, comedy, you know, aggressive. Comedy thrives on the awkward. It, it yeah, thrives right. on making you laugh at things that you wouldn't otherwise laugh at because you either didn't notice them. And Christian Christian comedians could do that, you know, just good observational comedy, although you run out of material if you're sp- trying to stay in the realm of, you know the church world which i think is a mistake that's the mistake is to try to keep it in there and i think when guys sort of rise up to become kind of the voice of christian comedy i think that's where they run out of material and it's just not as compelling because why not just listen to a guy like gaffigan that can be a little edgier and stay funny when and i think yeah so i mean i think if 
when a Christian comedian can't like if they if you know you bring a you bring a Christian comedian to say a marriage conference and they're going to be you know they're going to do a sort of a, an evening thing like they can't talk about sex because right. that's that's too edgy but like right. that's the stuff that makes like that's where comedy thrives is going into the awkward and somebody like Gaffigan can do it well because he can get into the awkward now he's he also is just sort of a He's almost an outlier here because he can talk about Hot Pockets and make people laugh. And that's kind of like Seinfeld could talk about um, Pop-Tarts. You know, he had this yeah, it's Pop-Tarts similar. Bit. It's really similar. And, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's, I, think, I think the other thing is you have to be willing to offend people. And if you are a – the more public you are as a Christian, the less you try to offend people unless, of course, you're John MacArthur or Mark Driscoll, in which case you thrive on offending people. But uh, – and and that's not something that they're willing to do. So they play it and all they play in the safe little sandboxes, and that's just that gets really boring really fast. There's very few like you can't do a Christian comedy bit and have people keep coming back for more unless you're willing to become somebody who they call cynical, they call too sarcastic, they call too edgy, and that's where it it just doesn't tend to thrive. I don't think. Oh, I think no, and I think you're totally on point with that because yeah, as soon as you what happens as soon as you offend somebody like in your church, well, they leave, and so I think yeah, you 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 run the risk of like losing your entire fan base if it crosses a line that everybody deems unacceptable for sure. Boys, you remember what I you know what I remember about growing up in the '80s, man, very vividly. I remember gathering with uh, with the fam, uh, flipping on NBC on a Thursday night. Uh, and everybody on the couch watching the Cosby show. Did you guys have this experience growing up? Are we allowed to talk Cosby? about the Cosbys or is that – are we supposed to pretend like that didn't exist at this point? Well, dude, I just I just feel like we need to get back to a, a, a time where we're really embracing a, a clean, wholesome comedian who really just embodies family values, man. Why can't we get back to that? <laughs> oh you know? I feel, like, I feel like I need to go take a shower. That's my question. <laughs> Remember how good we all felt about Cosby back then? We all felt like we were, you know, we were like civil rights activists. You know, the, the Lily White family sitting down to watch, you know, Bill Cosby. Well, and yeah, not only Wraith that, but, but the, the whole premise of the show was like strong marriage, good parents, work through all their troubles, that kind of Absolutely. stuff. You know, strong family values. And uh, yeah, that all seems sadly ironic Dude, now. No. Vanessa Huxtable was my first celebrity crush, man. And wow. she wasn't even the like purportedly hot one. You know what I mean? Big T, you're the most diverse person I've ever met in my life. No, <laughs> oh, baby, you know. <laughs> you should give, get give, out of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Says the man from Ashland, Ohio. That's right. There you go. Well, gentlemen, we have done what uh, what we always do on this program, which is wander to and fro. And I, I would be remiss this time, especially given some of my uh, – uh, some of my my mess ups in the middle of the program. If I didn't thank the boys at Resonate Recordings, who uh, they take those things out, they make us sound good, uh, they fix it when we have uh, in studio interruptions, and uh, we appreciate all the hard work that they do. So check them out, uh, the boys at Resonate Recordings. And uh, guys, we've wandered to and fro. Uh, it's been fun. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. 
Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.